I'm Rebecca, and I'm a Francis slash Zoe slash Lars. I'm Carolyn, and I'm a Lars slash Jessica. I'm Teresa, and I'm a Francis slash Tony, and we are a big little podcast talking about episode six of Hulu's Nine Perfect Strangers. Rebecca, what are our strangers and their drug-addled cult leader up to this week? <laughs> well, episode six, titled Motherload, begins with a buttoned-up Masha having another childhood flashback while binging leftover cake. She snaps out of it and quickly purges, but it's clear Russia's Gwyneth Paltrow is starting to come undone. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frances is hallucinating her tiny internet stalker ominously dancing to Money Makes the World Go Round from Cabaret, and Lars is having dreams about homophobic British schoolchildren. When Lars awakens in a cold sweat, he finds Ma Masha right beside him in bed. She admits to controlling his dreams and hands him a cell phone, instructing him to record the day's events and secure his legacy. The next morning at breakfast, our strangers discuss Masha's latest shenanigans, which Masha explains away, breezy as ever. She's even upping their dosage. But this time, there are some sensible rules. No climbing, no water, stick with the buddy system. The mysterious drugs are downed by all but Carmel, who then privately admits to Masha she's on a couple of psychotropics. In true Masha form, she assures Carmel the drugs are perfectly safe before turning the confession back on Carmel and revealing she was the one to have an affair with Carmel's husband. Masha accuses Carmel of sending the nasty threat she's been receiving, but if Carmel is guilty, she does a great job of hiding it with her justifiable sorrow. The confrontation ends with the two women embracing, a win for feminism, if only for this episode. Next up, it's time for a sound bath with Glory, Tai Chi with Yao, another charged conversation between Delilah and Masha, and what seems like yet another misconnection between Francis and Tony, until they finally kiss! Rihanna plays, the crowd goes wild, Tony has hope again, the Marconi dance and the bubbles. Carmel is still harboring violent fantasies, but she and Lars are still managing to have fun. Everything seems to be going so well, but we're only halfway through the episode, and this is not our first time at a David E. Kelly rodeo. Jessica's positive affirmations take a horrific turn where her attempt at plucking a pimple causes her literal nose to fall off. The Marconi follows Zoe into the jungle where all three hallucinate Jack until Heather has a full breakdown. Heather ends up in a sedative-induced snooze while the remaining strangers enjoy the pool, all except Tony, who's suddenly very stressed about breaking the rules. After Heather somewhat recovers, Masha waxes lyrical on the wonders of shared psychosis. It seems the Mar Marconi are on board for more encounters with Zachary despite Heather's psychotic episode mere hours before. Carmel attempts to connect with Francis, but Francis voices her concern that everyone in the group seems to be getting better, while Carmel appears to be getting worse. Which is true, but probably not the wisest thing to say to her face. After a long day supervising our nauseous, lusty, psychotic strangers, Delilah and Yao walk home. They voice their concern that Masha's protocol will fail the Marconi like it failed the Connellys, and wonder aloud if the Connellys are the ones menacing Masha. In the most sensible move of the day, Delilah decides it's high time they check out at Tranquillum. The sixth episode ends with Masha meditating poolside, inducing yet another one of her shooting-turned-wintry childhood flashbacks. But this time, we get more of it. The camera tracks back to reveal Masha isn't the little girl riding her bike. She's the mother following close behind, delighted one moment, terror-stricken the next, as the little girl rides straight into oncoming traffic. Yeah, uh, that's a lot. If you uh, hear the dulcet sounds of jackhammer in the background during that... Uh, little recap it is because i have a literal jackhammer outside my window right now and there is not to be done about it so background noises presented by my building <laughs> this is gorilla podcasting people get used to it <laughs> so a lot happened <laughs> yeah so i mean there was also a distinct lack of smoothie porn this week because they're doing like shots of tea now instead of smoothies so let's jump right to the heart of the matter 
we now know what Masha is up to and possibly why, I guess. Um, she's trying to induce some kind of mass psychosis hallucination and the Marconis are at the heart of it. So, Carolyn, how does this make you feel? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that this was the episode of this show jumping off, jumping the shark for me. Mm. You know, we kind of like figured out that like obviously we were going to have some weird twist coming and maybe it was going to have some sort of, honestly, at this point, I would have preferred some sort of like ghostly paranormal element to this. I I don't, I mean, yeah, I just am not, <laughs> like I had trouble with this episode. I felt like I was like fucking high watching it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I had had, like, a really, really long day and then, you know, watched it with, like, a little bit of a buzz on. But I kind of felt, like, super loopy after watching it. And then that, like, malaise Mm -hmm. has continued into this morning where I was, like, doing a yoga class and, like, could not – I I just – I was, like, hallucinating that, like, Masha was talking to me while I was doing yoga. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm over this. Is anyone out there surprised that Carolyn's not the one who does, who's had a lot of uh, psychotropic <laughs> drug experience? I mean, yeah. you're seeing your dead aunt. You're seeing no, uh, Masha. She doesn't need the drugs. <laughs> She's already there. She doesn't need it. Yeah. So this video is this like, I do these like yoga videos and this girl has this like bizarre accent and she's like blonde and trippy. She's really, she like films, it's called like Boho Beautiful Yoga. I don't even know why. It it plays nice music. My God. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, please share a link to this for our listeners so they can understand Mm -hmm. why if you're just in a weird place and you're like zoned out doing yoga and all of a sudden you're like, no, no, no. But yeah, so I, for me, like this episode, other than a couple moments that were real gems, mostly involving Melissa McCarthy, I, I just was like, oh, my God, we're really getting in super deep here. So I, I don't know. It better do something real awesome in the next two episodes. So I have this this like impression of Leanne Moriarty sort of everything um, that she she tends to draw on pop culture and trends for her story ideas. And so it got me thinking about like, what are some um, s- some instances of like shared hallucinations in sort of the zeitgeist. And so I started doing some Googling. My first thought was the Salem witch trials. Yes, I was about to say. The yeah. Salem witch trials have often been cited as an example of shared psychosis. Mm-hmm. And it's especially prevalent with young girls. Yep. Like groups of young girls are super like, like prone to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also like you get, you know, some people have said like those pregnancy packs and things like that are examples of things that are like adjacent mm-hmm. to shared psychosis, like people getting really wrapped up in the same vision or mm-hmm. the whole like slender man thing. Yeah. That's another one. Oh, so interesting. And so I came across like I'd heard this story before, but I, I tend to forget about it all the time that in like 2008, these two Irish twins, Ursula and Sabina Erickson, um, I don't even really know what their shared psycho- psychosis was, but they like get on a bus and go to England and then just start acting crazy and end up on a highway where they both get hit by cars, but like somehow survive <laughs> and it's all caught on camera. What? Yeah, it's insane. And then they so they all they get caught on camera they get arrested eventually because i think they attack a cop but then they get released 
And then one of them stabs somebody, I think. Sabina, yeah, it was Sabina. I've got, you know, the Wikipedia version of this here. She ends up stabbing somebody, but like kind of pleads guilty to manslaughter, but um, with diminished responsibility. And I mean, things end up bad. So I'm, I can't help but wonder if she's drawing on any of these stories for wherever this is going. So Carolyn, do you think, um, do you think we're going to see any of this show up in the show? Uh, maybe I get like, yeah, that is exactly where this is going. That like shared psychosis thing. I Mm -hmm. definitely see that kind of like mass hysteria, but I'm not real. I'm still not sure what her plan, her being Masha, what her plan Mm -hmm. is here with this mass hysteria, these shared psychosis. So obviously it's very clear she has like a targeted plan with the uh, Marconis. So, but is there a self-interest here with her own daughter? That's what I was wondering because that plot line feels a little unnecessary to me. Right. Because it's like, okay, you were shot and your daughter got hit by a car and that's why you're doing all of this. But like, if they're sharing their hallucination of their lost loved one, I don't see how that does anything to bring back her bring back in you know the most psychotic way her daughter um yeah that feels strange to me too yeah i think that it is uh i I don't know i think that if that's the case like if this is connected to like personal Mm self-interest you know and that she has these like very sinister undertones that actually will make her character more understandable to me so Mm. I'm kind of hoping that there is like this, that, you know, that we really villainize her. I'm really looking to villainize Masha at this point. What do you think, Rebecca? Where, where's this all going? I mean, I granted had a, an edible before this episode really to try and immerse myself <laughs> in the culture. And my takeaway was like starting to really go off the deep end by the end of it. Mm-hmm. There was a couple little lines that I think like sent me down this rabbit hole, though. The first of which was when Delilah, very offhand, makes this comment like, oh, they'll make it seem like you're mortal like the rest of us mm-hmm. to Masha after she like caught Masha binging the cake. And that just started making me think like, what if everyone here is dead already? Oh, oh dear God. Like, what if she's dead? Like, what if the Marconis were all killed by their son and he's the only, like, it was one of those situations, a family annihilator thing, like, and the other thing that really made I me think I would start that, a campaign for Nicole Kidman to stop making things because that would be the worst. What, I think it really would be, but there was another moment because when I started thinking this, I was like, oh, that would suck, like the I see dead people thing, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But then when Jessica has her meltdown and her nose falls off mm-hmm. and Ben is like, talking to her and like telling her like you're fine you're fine Masha comes in and says the same thing to her and like it's like he's not there and then he looks at Jessica and is like I just said that and I wonder if he's alive and processing and the reason why he's such a fringe character and on the background is that like he's the only one that's alive and everybody else is dead and he's dealing with it. Well he sees Masha because he says where he said where did she come from? Yeah, or he could be in like a, I don't know, Lost also has ruined me. I recently rewatched Lost, oh so now everything, I'm always like, are they just dead the whole time? Is this going to like mess me up? That would make absolutely no sense because why do you need the psycho, why do you need the psychedelics? Like why? To like transition people so they're not like completely like overwhelmed by the fact that they're dead 
it's like a but then and they're talking to dead people like i can't get on board with this theory okay yeah (laughs) i i mean i'm hoping it's not that but i just like all the ethereal like the blonde wig and the light halos and i don't know it just there's something about it the goats like it's all feeling very biblical to me all of a sudden and making me nervous (laughs) but hopefully it's just shared psychosis and they're going to go more in the science route which would be ideal but there's just little things that are making me a little nervous well, let's talk a little bit more about the shared psychosis, which um, leads to poor Heather Marconi being in like the, a hospital bed, having what Masha calls is a panic attack, but it sounds much more like a full psychotic episode. And I think, you know, that's what Delilah calls it. So I think we're to understand that Masha is lying about what's going on with Heather. Did you guys pick up on that at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seemed like her reaction f- went beyond a panic attack. I mean, that was catatonic at one point. Like, and you can certainly have a really bad panic attack, but like she was full stop. Like, I mean, that was a break. That was a full break. Yeah, Yeah, she's not hyperventilating. She's not like worried about her heart. She's not like having a lot of the symptoms you associate with a panic attack. She is screaming and crying. Also, do any of these people have any medical, do any, does anyone here have any medical training? Like they're administering shots and MRIs and... I don't think so because it, Yao does. Okay, yeah, he he's was EMT. the EMT who saved oh, right. Masha. Okay. So I think we're to understand he still has some sort of. But that's not made clear in this things, show. But. We, you know that from the book, right? No. Did they? No. Oh, I missed that. She alludes to it in I think the first episode where she says, "And he's the one who saved me," or something oh. like that. It, it's not made entirely clear. It is much clearer in the book, but. Um, but they do sort of allude to it early on. Okay. Mm-hmm. But as Delilah says, they're clearly out of their depth here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You're. he's not a doctor. He's not a therapist. He's a EMT who can, like, you know. Put an IV, but, like, yeah. nobody there should be, like, I don't know, treating a psychotic break. Like, this mm-hmm. is not on paper what Tranquillum has been marketed as. You don't go to a wellness retreat and expect, like, and, and then also the thing that really made me nervous was the whole, like, they know about Carmel's psychotropics and aren't taking yeah. that more seriously. And also, is she still taking them? Because they confiscated everybody's stuff. Right. It, so is she off her meds and that's why she's getting worse and everyone the, else is getting better? Yeah, that wasn't entirely clear. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Yeah. I don't either. That definitely was another moment that... I was like, I was back to feeling nervous about Carmel in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, like last episode, you felt like, oh, she's coming around. Like, it's okay. But I mean, in this episode, the drop of the fact that like her husband and Masha had an affair, which. Oh, God. Yeah, we need to discuss that. But then, uh, yeah, by the time she's in that scene with uh, with Francis and Francis is like, does it feel like everyone else is getting better except you? I was like, Mm -hmm. yes. That is exactly how I'm feeling about this character. And so now I'm back to being really concerned for her and her being unhinged. I, th- I, I had hope she was pulling it together, but she's not. Um, and it is interesting. Like, that's what I'm wondering. That's what this whole episode has me, like, really ripped apart about. Like, what is Masha's game here? Because it's very mm-hmm. clear that she ex- she chose these this group of people to be together. But if she is after 
the like ghost seeing of a dead child from the Marconis, what is she after, if anything, with any of these other people? Or are they just there to kind of like facilitate somehow? Like she needs a certain set of personalities to play off one another for this magic hallucination to happen. Well, Tony says, you know, she chose all of us because she needed a group of people who were so at their, you know, wits end that they would do anything she asked them to do. And so I think she was trying to pull together a group of people that, um, you know, she didn't know who was going to be the Zoe in this case, you know, who was going to be the one who pulled through and kind of create started, you know, she says to them that there's usually sort of a focus point for the shared hallucin hallucination. There's one person who kind of has has this hallucination the most strong strongly and then it kind of filters out to everyone else. And so I think she had to experiment with who that was going to be. But what's not really clear to me, I mean, you would think because now that they've introduced this whole weird Masha had a daughter who also died thing, you'd think she was honing in on the Marconis from the beginning. But that doesn't seem that doesn't seem to make much sense. I d I do think maybe Lars was brought there, even though they knew he was a journalist, for the to document this because they thought, you know, as she said, he could build a legacy on it and her legacy. Um, but other than that, I think she might have just been like, let's see who's desperate enough to <laughs> to start this hallucination. And is the goal to have? all nine of them experiencing the same hallucination or just like experimenting generally with group hallucination yeah that's what i yeah. can't figure out either because why would they all be hallucinating zach Doesn't or what do any of them Paul. care about zach yeah. yeah right oh my god my favorite hallucination ever <laughs> it, that was great yeah um which led to my we'll save that for later favorite line of the episode um but yeah like the little musical singing Paul leprechaun hallucination was just so fucking good. Like, if mm -hmm. I was going to hallucinate, I would want it to be my ex-boyfriend to be, like, <laughs> a little a little troll that you can flush down the toilet. Like, fucking brilliant. I mean, it really does feel pretty cathartic. Mm -hmm. You know, Masha's right. Yeah. That, like, it feels like you get to take revenge on someone even though you don't. Yeah. So let's also talk about Napoleon a little bit because he's kind of being a dick. A huge dick. Huge dick. Like his response to, you know, Heather kind of feels guilty because she read the asthma medication where that said, you know, suicidal yeah. ideation was a possible. Can possible we like back up for that for a second? Because I was yeah. so confused for so long. Be like, are they seriously thinking that that's what did it? <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, no way. Every medication says that on the back of it. Like, mm -hmm. and I think the statistics of someone actually hanging themselves because of that are, like, very small. And if that's where they're going with this, fine. But, like, why would you feel guilty about that? Like, I don't know. I just, and it's also an asthma medication. The stakes feel so low and so wrong with that. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, are they joking? Like, I was so confused through that whole section. And then Napoleon being like, I couldn't forgive that. I'm like, what do you mean you couldn't forgive that? Like, that's yeah, it's insane. Like, what, is he supposed to not take this medication that could save his life, potentially, because of 
because of this. I mean, I was thinking, like, if it had been any other side effect, if he'd, like, had anal leakage or whatever (laughs) they say, they they say on these things when you see a commercial. And, like, even if so, what could you have done? Even you know that that's a possible side effect, but then what? Like, what do you do? You watch him 24-7? If he's not showing any signs, that they all say, like, he wasn't showing any signs that he was suicidal. So how could you have known that it was happening? Yeah. Well, I felt, for me, it's, you know, sometimes, like, people kind of need reasons for something. Not like Mm -hmm. she needed Mm -hmm. the reason to be that she caused this, but obviously she is just so wrought with guilt and you know, despair over what has happened, that even, that any reason, even if it was possible that she was, she was the reason, is closure. And she, and she was so forgiving of him, though, when he was saying, like, I got up late, you know, if I had just gotten up earlier. Yeah, I feel like those are on par, like, they're the same level of, like, guilt. Also, like, if they're gonna go with the guilt angle, like, give me something that they should legitimately feel guilty over. Like, this is, so minor and this is again and i'm sorry to go back to my crazy harebrained theory here this is like another thing this episode that made me be like are they dead and is that are these like people they're seeing demons like the devil like it didn't seem like zach it seemed like he was intentionally being like really cruel to make her feel extra bad and same with like paul like paul seems like an extra cruel caricature of who he actually was like are they like here to torment them in some way i just no i you know, Zach says to Zoe, I can only tell you what you already know. Yeah. Basically, like, I'm a figment of your imagination. I can only tell you yeah. Yeah. what you know or what you believe. Like, so this is her, this like, is real. her, like, just crazy guilt. Yes, it's her manifestation okay. of her guilt. So then maybe, like, the shared psychosis extends to the fact that, like, she can't forgive herself, so therefore Napoleon can't forgive her. And he, and this is maybe not how his like base state is, but if they are now sharing a state of psychosis, he's also feeling that same level of like, I'll never forgive myself for not reading the instructions more clearly. Because it just seems so different from like the man he's been in these episodes up to this point, which is like, she needs to move on. We can be happy. We're choosing to be right. happy. Like, it's just such a complete shift. And he seemed so mean and so angry in that moment. So like bitter in a way that Heather really seemed like she was feeling in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So like if we're going if it's really shared psychosis maybe that's explaining it then it's not just like he's taken this like turn it's that he's now experiencing Heather's mindset in a way that he wasn't before. Mm. So it's like I, radical empathy. I actually wonder too if this is just another example of someone not getting better, right? Because Carmel apparently has some sort of pre-existing mental illness issues and if anyone else here has and you know tony was probably depressed but these people had the most serious you know reason to be here in the first place the loss of their son and so it would make sense to me like that you know a little bit of microdosing can really be helpful for them as we saw that it really was but that when you keep ramping it up it can just start going back downhill right like and i kind of think that's what's happening to them as opposed to some of the other people and we're seeing that you know we also saw it with jessica right like yeah her hallucination was horrible and it terrified her and that's because they have now added the mushrooms on top of Uh their um you know mdma or whatever it is um 
And so yeah. I think for a lot of people that, you know, we're seeing Francis and Tony getting better because they're kind of finding each other and and Lars is kind of getting a little bit better probably because, you know, he was only really ever struggling with like a little bit of self-loathing in the first place um, and is really there to expose all of this. But the people who had really more deep-seated issues are going downhill the more drugs they get. I'd also argue that Tony is not doing better. Tony's doing better temporarily. He's like in that love moment that I think is very much also provoked by the drugs. Mm -hmm. And the things he keeps saying are making me very nervous. Like he, before the whole kiss with Francis, he was saying things like, have you ever thought about, you know, ending it? Like, and then he also, he also talks about how like for the first time he doesn't wake up, he wakes up with hope now. Right. I Which guess is that great. part of that's about Francis. but And um, part of that's the drugs, I think. Like, yeah. it's making him optimistic. And then at the end, when the drugs are starting to, like, he's had a little bit of his come down in the pool, mm. he's getting very paranoid again. He's getting right. very angry. He didn't like that the rules were being broken. He was getting very fixated. And I think this is gearing up to show us that, like, these drugs might work for surface level healing, but in terms of like somebody like Carmel, who's on psychotropic drugs to stabilize her, or someone like Tony, who's very clearly, I think, not been diagnosed with a serious depressive disorder, mm-hmm. this really can end poorly because all of these drugs, even psilocybin, psilocybin being the less, least offensive, but like in high mm-hmm. concentrations, you do experience neurological changes. And then in the absence of those neurological changes, you do feel a certain emptiness. And MDMA really can do that because it drains your serotonin, mm-hmm. which is not a good state to be in. But psilocybin, even like if you're having a harder experience, which they clearly are all having now, like whatever they consumed in the glasses was quite a high dosage if they're having visu- visuals and you know, tactile stuff and feeling sick, you know, Napoleon throwing up is a good indicator of you're having a pretty significant experience now. There are consequences to all of these things. You can't just sustain drug use like this for days at a time and then not expect a change when those drugs are no longer in your system. And it's just making me all very, very nervous, especially for Tony. And I was thinking really of Tony this episode a lot and how it's so rewarding to see him happy, but how like it feels like we're still not at the end here and there's heartbreak to come. And he really reminds me in some ways of Anthony Bourdain, like Ah. this like Mm. masculine, like seemingly has everything going for him. Good looking guy. That's like got these like deep demons beneath the surface that he's just like not able to address in any sort of productive way. And it's, it continues to manifest in increasingly like frantic, violent ways. And you can have love, like a deep connection and suddenly feel hopeful and inspired, but that's not necessarily going to last. And like, can he outrun that? And it's just, Tony's making me so nervous and I love him so much and I love their chemistry and it's just like, I'm ready for my heart to be broken and I don't want it to happen. So I had a completely different reaction to Tony in this episode. I actually felt hope for him for the first time here and and felt like that, you know, this relationship with Francis, like I, I did feel that he was kind of coming out of some of this depression and talking about it more. That being said, though, that hope also made me nervous for him that I was like, oh, no, the show is giving us this adorable like kiss moment, though the using love on the brain, the rea- like I was like, that's a weird music choice, but we'll get past that. But having that moment with them where they finally get this kiss and they're, you know, he's talking about not feeling as depressed. It made me that put me ill at ease, even though I had felt hopeful for him. I was like, oh, I feel like this show is about to exactly like you said, like rip our hearts out. I don't feel like it's going to I don't think we're going to get the happy ending 
for Francis and Tony. So you mentioned um, the music here, which reminded me how much I wanted to talk about the most romantic song ever written oh. and its use in this in this show. Are, are we thinking Just, of the same song? Leather and Lace yes. by Stevie Nicks. Oh, my God. <laughs> and what's his name? Who's the guy? Don Henley. Don Henley. They mentioned Fleetwood Mac and then don't and then yeah. use like a Stevie Nicks song, like just like just left center of like Fleetwood Mac. Like it's not actually Fleetwood. Yeah. for some reason. I was well, like, that's interesting. I think that's more evidence of the shared psychosis between the Marconis, because it's like that song was either playing in Zoe's earbuds or her head mm-hmm. or something. And then like two beats later, Heather's yeah. like, I got too high at a Stevie Nicks concert. Mm hmm. Um, but I, I'm not kidding you when I tell you I think that's the most romantic song ever written. I love that song <laughs> so much. I have a bizarre, like, hardcore cover version of that by I don't even know who. And I was sitting here harassing everyone in the household. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I love Stevie Nicks, and I considered naming my dog Stevie. Um, and she would have made a great Stevie Nicks. I still, I, I still regret it some days, but... Um, whatever so she doesn't have a cocaine problem so she you know she's not a total stevie but yeah no i love that song so much and it made me so excited to hear it in because no like you don't hear it on the radio very much it's i've never heard anyone use it in a show and i feel like me and my friend patrick are the only people in the world who actually like that song so i was so excited to hear it Since we're talking about romance, let's let's talk a little bit more about that kiss just from a sheer comedy perspective. It might have been the most perfect kiss I've ever seen on screen. I think so, too. I said it. He's going in and then the like, what? That whole thing was just so perfect. And then it really (laughs) made you think like this is not going to happen once again. Like these two awkward people are going to like out awkward each other out of like a beautiful moment. And then it happens. It was just Everything was perfect. The music starting and stopping was perfect. It was great. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I, w- I would like to go in, but I I might fall over because I'm dizzy and I don't feel good. And <laughs> I'm a bad kisser. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> then they fall over. Um, the bumbling cuteness of it, like, mm-hmm. it, it was, I don't know if it was the most perfect kiss ever or the most adorable, <laughs> but it was definitely, it was a kiss. That's why it was perfect. Yeah, but it was, I, I, I can't think of a kiss more perfect at this moment. I will give you that, but it'll come to me. But uh, I did feel like this was, this, I wanted this for both these yeah. characters so much. Um, and, and it was just adorably performed by both of these actors. Like everything about it was just, you know, it it was perfectly, perfectly done. Except I. And it felt so right for their dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Because like if it, if it had just been Tony, like suavely swooping in and her Mm -hmm. like not being kind of snarky and like, it would have felt weird and wrong. And like, instead it was, they really took into consideration, like what would happen if these two people finally kissed. Yeah, and you felt it, especially, so the Frances character, you know, her last relationship with this man that she really thought she loved and had this connection with, it was all online. Mm -hmm. And so there was no no physical intimacy with that relationship. And yet, like, she felt that so deeply. And here she, you know, this, this moment, like, I felt this for her, like, where she just wanted this so badly. So when she says out loud, like, oh, he's coming in, Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I I just I was like giggling in that moment because I I 
felt the anticipation and uh, like yearning that she had for that, for this. Um, and, you know, obviously we've all been like wanting them to get together since the moment he found her like screaming into the abyss of the hills. Um, it, it actually reminded me of, and once again, Rebecca, you're not going to know what I'm talking about, but Carolyn, you will. Um, <laughs> the Luke and Lorelai's first kiss from the Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. because they've had such a kind of off again, on again, like kind of, it's not a contentious relationship, but like part of their part of their dynamic is that they give each other shit all the time, right? So like when Luke finally goes to kiss Lorelai, she's like, what are you doing? And he's <laughs> like, would you just stand still? And it reminded me of that kind of like these two people have had this like not entirely romantic connection this whole time, but you've really wanted them to figure that out. And so it can't quite be perfect that first time because it's not like you're on a date and you're like you expect to get kissed at the end of the night it has to be something a little different yeah i mean there's been that like tension between them and i i mean obviously like you know we keep saying they're all on um hallucinatory or what is hallucinogenic drugs i guess is the um but so how much of what they're feeling is real was my Mm. kind of bummer concern with this i was like i feel more like they're more open to it and less like yeah like it's just taking down their walls but that it was always there like yeah yeah no i'm 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 Mm -hmm. hoping for that but like i said i kind of have this like feeling this like pit of doom in my stomach that this is not Mm -hmm. going to be a happy ending for them i'm hoping i'm wrong i'm hoping that you know we get some sunshine and rainbows here but i i don't know I, I feel ill at ease for Tony and Francis's future together. Can we also, something else that has me feeling ill at ease is Lars's phone. <laughs> so um, Masha has now given him a phone and it's not connected to the internet, but he's allowed to record and photograph everything, which makes me feel like there's going to be some messed up shit that he gets to record on this phone. Does anyone else feel that way? Chekhov's phone. Mm. Yep. Yes. Well, I mean, if her whole purpose is to have, like, mass hallucinations, is she thinking Mm -hmm. that he's going to be able to... She, like, wants a recording of it, but she has fucking cameras everywhere, as we've seen. So, Mm -hmm. again, like, what is her game with things? I don't think she intends to let him do anything with this footage. But why is she doing it? Why is she giving him... To fuck with him. She's fucking with everyone. Yeah. Like, she needs to build him up to break him down, and he's the most, quote-unquote, stable, I think, of everyone there. Like, he's had a breakup. We don't really know anything about the breakup. I guess it was over children, but, like, and he's had this harassment issue, as obviously, as a gay man growing up, which is traumatic, but, like, compared to everyone else, it seems to be, like, really broken. He goes into it pretty okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's got to build him up to break him down, and she's going to tantalize him with a, something that's bigger than what he came for, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Our our uh, listeners seem to think that somebody is going to die here, and they mm-hmm. thought... Veronica thought it was going to happen this episode, and I was kind of with her. Like, I, the whole time, I just felt like the other shoe was going to drop and something really bad's going to happen. And then when Heather had her psychotic episode, I was worried that mm. she was going to die. Like, that was going to be it for Heather. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like we're building towards some sort of violent catastrophe, and I do wonder if poor Lars is a candidate for that because it seems like at this point, like, he's got the least and in some ways most to lose because she's really kind of gearing up to give him this pivotal role. I, again, I want, like, just 
vengeance for Masha here or against mm-hmm. Masha. Like, I would like to see her go, like, go down hard with this. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I'm worried with, I, I agree that there's, not everyone is going to be leaving Tranquilium alive. Getting back to the Masha and Lars moment, though, that was easily one of the creepiest Masha interactions yeah. ever. Like, her getting into bed next to him, I was like, no, no, I am so uncomfortable, and this is so not okay. I actually thought it was, like, a hallucination. That was so not okay. Yeah. I did, too. I thought that was going to be part of his dream. And then, like, the whole, like, she's manipulating their dreams, and the way she just, like, rattles off how she's doing that, I'm like, is that real science? I don't think so. That doesn't sound legit, Masha. Like, it just... It's all, Mm-mm. I think this is why I probably, that and the edible made me feel so crazy this episode. And like, I was no. like dealing with some sort of purgatory system no, because I'm they are now you. taking such a departure from like the providence of normal drug use and I'm, wellness. I'm serious. Like I had had like, you know, a, like a couple, couple drinks before bed and like I was watching this in bed and I was like, so I was I I just was like spinning from this episode because it really, this episode I think really did its job, I guess, even though I was like, this is where it falls off the rails for me. Like where I was like, this is nothing is, everything's going to be chaos from here on out. Maybe it'll be the kind of chaos I love, but I guess it did its job in that it like took you on the journey of feeling like completely like mentally disconnected. Like I just felt like my head was like a bubble after watching this. I was like, what the fuck am I seeing here? I was actually wondering if Lars maybe is on a slightly different protocol, although I don't know how that would work with those shots of tea because it was just kind of a free-for-all. It wasn't like the smoothies where everyone got their personalized smoothie. But, like, he doesn't, you know, other than these dreams, he doesn't seem to be hallucinating too much. He seems to be perfectly capable of basically interviewing Carmel and, you know, taking video of it. And Masha also... She's like, I give you like a chemical to induce, to help induce these dreams. And I wasn't sure if she meant the psilocybin that we've known about all the time or if there's something else she's giving him. It's very strange. And I'm just wondering, I don't, it wouldn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense in terms of these shots of tea, like I, like I said, but he just doesn't quite seem like he's as high as everybody else. No, that's no. true. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Masha to play some sort of, like, sleight of hand with the teacups, and they all do get different things, and that's part of Mm -hmm. it now, is that, like, it was very explicit at first, they were all on different paths, but now she's trying to induce shared psychosis, like, she wants that illusion of you're all doing the same thing, but who's to say? And I also feel like Carmel is not really on the same dosage. Mm -hmm. Like, I know she's, now we've got this whole information about her taking the psychotropics, and we don't know... Mm -hmm. if she's continuing that or not. But she doesn't seem to be having as, like, an immersive experience as everyone else. Like, she was touching the water in a way that was kind of tactile, but compared to the Marconis, who are having full-fledged hallucinations and, like, frolicking in bubbles, and Frances, who's also having Mm -hmm. full-fledged hallucinations, and when she was walking outside, you did get her perspective that, you know, everything was kind of distorted and glimmery, like that Mm -hmm. crazy movie Annihilation. It was that kind of ambiance that seems very different from what the perspective we're getting when you have like Lars and Carmel having the conversation underneath the tree. That was like still very lucid. Mm-hmm. It might have been like they were microdosing, but it just does not seem like everybody's on the same playing field anymore. Yeah, yeah. agreed. And I don't know if it, yeah. I mean, 
I definitely agree that's what it seems like. I just don't know how that can be true. I, I feel like I should almost go back and rewatch that tea scene and see, like, did they hand them out to people individually? Or did I, I have the impression that people, everybody just picked them up off the tray willy-nilly. Mm. And mm. so I, maybe I, I, the only thing that's going to get me to rewatch this is answering that question, I think. But <laughs> um, Well, we also don't see Carmel take hers. Correct me if I'm wrong, if you go no, back no, and rewatch. So it might be that she didn't take it and Lars has just got a, a good tolerance. But Lars was really not doing any of the behaviors everybody else was doing. Even Carmel mm-hmm. was, like, doing some little indicators of being on something. But Lars really was not. Well, he was floating in the pool. And, like, when they were all in the pool and he's he like, He was saying oh, it feels amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at that moment, he does seem as, as zonked out as the rest of them. For sure. Yeah. So in that moment, I bought that he's, like, in on, you know, he's getting getting the good stuff with everyone else um i loved ben drinking the pool water yes that was <laughs> like no no not that water don't drink that water um <laughs> I, well, that's another thing so th- that was another thing i wanted to kind of talk about that just bothered me and i feel like it's just almost like i can't tell if it's sloppy writing or if it's um you know meant to show that these people are completely like unqualified to be doing this work but they're like okay don't go near the water and don't climb anything today and stay with your buddies and then just set everybody free and yeah no one like glory is the only one who actually makes sure that the buddies stay together but also like your buddy can't also be high as hell like that's (laughs) not how this works (laughs) also a three-way buddy system never works and like the fact Mm -hmm. that they put all three marconi together and then zoe's like wandering off and yes they went after her but like that could have mm-hmm. been, I thought that was going to end really badly when she went off in the woods alone. I was like, oh, Zoe's dead. That's it. Like, I just had low-grade dread this whole episode, even during these moments of levity that were very much welcome. And I do think this show is kind of masterful in that. It has maintained those notes of comedy, much thanks to Melissa McCarthy. Like, I, if she wasn't yeah. in this, I don't think this would have half the humor just because everything she does is so effortlessly funny. But even like Napoleon Marconi is supposed to be kind of like your your fool you're mm-hmm. you like you've a got, go- goofy dad exactly but like so we've got like those mixed notes where it can be very funny and very light and then also you're dealing with these like really dark tones underneath that just feel like they're going to rear its head and I feel like this whole show so far has kind of worked to build this low-grade sense of suspense where nothing has really gone like catastrophically bad yet and in really all the other shows we've covered by this point like things were really going bad like each episode you're like wow there's been a huge confrontation or someone's dead or whatever and so far it's been like different like wellness revelations and different wellness or revelations about Masha but like we don't have like a real big moment yet and I think I'm just like at this point anticipating that so much it's making me feel like these episodes go by in 20 minutes and I'm just like on the edge of my seat which is very effective because it's making me really excited week over week to see what happens next oh my god but what if this show just like nothing happens what if I mean (laughs) I'll kill David Kelly. <laughs> Everybody's just okay and happy at the end. Yeah, or they're just the same. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, you, you know that would actually be satisfying. Yeah, like, I don't... a commentary on how wellness is fleeting. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wouldn't be mad at that. I would if they all kind of leave and like stay the same, but like Masha gets her just desserts. I would mm. feel satisfied with that as an ending. Like if if you know. 
I, I don't know if we need, like, some random killer to show up and kill Masha, but, like, you know, if something happens to her, I'm not, I'm, I, I'd feel, I'd feel good about that. And if everyone just kind of, their, like, stasis that they came in with, but with some slight changes, but it's not, like, some earth-shattering, like, oh, I'm well and whole now. Right, right. Um, I Suck think, it, Gwyneth. Yeah, I think, like, a happy ending <laughs> feels not accessible here for any anyone and I don't want it to be so even though every you know we we crave that I feel like this is that this show is not able to have that being done well if yeah (laughs) all right so is Masha the real deal or is she crazy this week um she is crazy she's like in bed with her people there at her mm-hmm. wellness spa she's like creeping she banged carmel's husband she banged not carmel's husband here. she's like showing up out of nowhere like she's trying to force a family to hallucinate their dead son in a mass halluc- like no yeah. none of this is okay like masha go away and in the room when heather is having her breakdown she like oh. masha is looking increasingly unhinged and you're like You've and I don't know if this is written this way or if this is more weird face stuff going on with Nicole Kidman, but I'm like, oh, she's understanding what she's doing is crazy and yeah. that this is scary. But then she just dives deeper into it, and I'm like, wait, what? What am I? I don't know even what to think about what she's thinking. Well, I think she's a woman with very little left to lose. I mean, we've now mm-hmm. seen at the end that she's lost a child. Mm-hmm. We she's been shot. She doesn't seem to have any sort of, like, real person in her life. She's got, like, these sexual connections with Yao and Delilah, but neither one of those are, like, I think very personally fulfilling to her. She's just had someone die. She's got this lawsuit going on. Despite her, you know, saying, oh, we're fine with the money, I get the vibe that they're not fine with money. That's maybe part of the reason why this whole Mm -hmm. Lars expose thing is being floated. Like, she wants the publicity, so I think she's got nothing less to lose. And I thought that the acting, as much as Nicole's face is jarring, was pretty good in that scene. Because you did watch, like, her eyes, really just her eyes, sort of, like, recalibrate. Like, I'm in over mm-hmm. my depth. I've got nowhere else to go except at this point but forward. Which is a lie. She could just, like, do a sensible thing and say, I've, I've gone too far. This woman needs help that I can't give. We need to, like, make that happen. But this is obviously a television show, and that's not going to happen. So, of course, she's going to lean into it and get increasingly crazy and in out of her depth. Yeah, I mean, if she took a step back, everybody was fine, like, a day or two yeah. ago. It she was doing like it an was okay job. working. Yeah, and yeah. I would have, like, shown up to that retreat, and but now things are insane. You know what bothers me with Nicole Kidman's portrayal of this Masha character? I feel like she's missed the opportunity... And maybe the show is trying to be dramatic, but there's a way to have the drama and bring that camp to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she could have made this, like, this really, like, iconically campy character, even yeah. within the confines of a drama. And it's like, somehow she's, like, taking it too seriously in some mm-hmm. weird way in her performance that is, like, missing a mark and not, not like, landing right for me that this is... You, you know, I, I, I think, like, the show, any impact that we're going to have with, like, whatever dramatic turn we're going to get or not get would have been even more so if there was somebody who could have played this character in a way that, like, gay men would have wanted to be her for Halloween this year. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, that's that's spot on, Carolyn. Like, like you think of um, 
what's her name from American Horror Story, like, like any one of those characters that's slightly like Sarah Paulson. Like, give me Sarah Paulson playing Masha, a hundred percent. Yeah, give me that would Lisa be great. Kudrow. I was even thinking like Jessica Lange would be great. Jessica Lange, or, Lisa Kudrow, um, Sarah Paulson. I'm blanking on her name. The one with the crazy red hair from Coven who goes up in flames is Balenciaga. That actress would have been fun. Speaking of speaking of Coven, Stevie Nicks shows up in that scene. Yes, yes. <laughs> Shout out to Coven. Yeah, <laughs> but that's I. I just find myself watching this and being like oh you missed so many opportunities here to make this something to make this something i mean unfortunately (laughs) i do think the accent is partially to blame there it's just so distracting and bad Mm -hmm. that it undermines i think other good work she's doing like i don't i don't like i like this performance a little bit better than the undoing because i feel like the undoing didn't really give her enough to do Mm-hmm. And she's certainly, like, getting to do things here. And I don't necessarily think they're all successful, but it's still showing, like, a no, little more range. I found her better in The Undoing, probably because she was doing less. It's like, here she's <laughs> doing something, but it's not enough. Like, she needed to do more here. And in The Undoing, she was doing less, but that somehow worked. Because it was uh, part of the character. It was kind right. of understated. This yeah. is like, she... She should definitely be doing more. Yeah. We she would, needs yeah. to be doing more. A hundred percent. But maybe we'll get there. Like, maybe this is part of, like, the story that she's supposed to be sort of, like... Maybe. I mean, if she goes, like, batshit crazy unhinged and goes, like, wild and is screaming and has, like, crazy eyes coming out everywhere, I'm gonna, like, I'll, I'll, like, eat my words here. But... You know, so if they... I think we're, we're gearing up for that. I mean, the opening scene is her having this, like, binge relapse and she does seem to be... I hate to do it to you twice, but she does seem to be like coming undone a little bit. And I think it'll be really interesting to see like to what ends we end yeah, up here. All right. If- well, I mean, that's enough to like keep me watching. Like, I mean, other than we, I obviously have to because we're doing this. But like <laughs> the, 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 the teaser of, of you saying that maybe this will happen. I'm like, oh, that would be nice to see. Uh, so who knows? Maybe maybe I'll feel maybe I'll feel OK with that. That can be her her undoing in this would feel like that ending that I need for her. I need something to come out of Ma- the Masha character. Mm. Otherwise, I'm just mad at Nicole Kidman more so than I'm than usual. Already was. <laughs> yeah. So, Carolyn, you sort of alluded to having a favorite line. What is it? Oh, my goodness. It's obviously uh, the Francis saying, I did not come here to have a Lilliputian size internet hustler sing show tunes to me from the toilet. Yes. <laughs> and then Masha goes, that must have been terrifying. And she goes, well, it wasn't a good show. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene from that hallucination to her coming to breakfast and sharing the story. I think that that was like my favorite five minutes of this entire show. This and Lars singing all just Lars like rapid fire all, all the, the cabaret songs, songs. from cabaret, yes. uh, you know, including uh, the maybe this time. And so good. like, no, I don't even which, know that song. <laughs> which definitely made me want to hear him sing those songs because oh, yes. he yeah, sounded pretty yeah. good. Also, like, it just makes me immediately think of the cabaret episode of Schitt's Creek, which just oh, never yeah. fails to make me weep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just loved every moment of that, and it and culminating with that line I just chef's kiss that was brilliant uh thank you for that uh thank you for that for nine perfect strangers that will stay with me (laughs) so Rebecca did you have a different line um I actually had that line but I also really will just give a shout out to 
oh my God, he's going in. Then yeah. <laughs> what did you say? Like, I just thought that whole, because who hasn't had that inner monologue when something like mm-hmm. that's happening? And then like the horror of hearing that you've said it out loud. It's just so relatable. It was so funny. It was so something that would happen if you were on drugs. Like, it just was great. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, um... I really like the Lilliputian line too, but in the interest of picking something different, um, when um, Lars comes down and starts talking about his dreams again, and <laughs> Tony is like, "It's my baby too, Lars. I know my rights." <laughs> <laughs> I just—it's like Tony, yes. you're so cute. If and, this ends with the two of them like having a family together, and like Tony <laughs> gets a second lease on life, Francis is like the fun aunt, or maybe all together, maybe they all just end up in a giant thruple upon thruple that's why there's nine of them maybe they can just have like an offshoot buddy comedy where um i would be i would be down i would watch the shit out of that you know the next question i ask is if you had to be stuck at a wellness retreat with one of these people who would it be and for me this week it's definitely tony there's like i said it last week but this you just want to make out with him i do i mean there's something about i'll fight you you know what it's not even making out right it's I want to like hug him. He's such a huge bear of a guy mm-hmm. and like he has such a warm face yeah. that and he I love and I mean my obsession with Luke Danes from Gilmore Girls is um evidence of my fact that I love like a kind of gruff exterior with a mushy interior and that's that's Tony to yeah. a T, right? So um well, I would definitely th- want to be hanging out with him this week. So would that be your buddy partner? You'd be with Francis too. I think we got to choose buddies. Yeah, I mean, you're with Tony and Francis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I well, one they also have the least disturbing time. Yeah, I, I think, think that's the <laughs> obvious choice for yeah. sure. But what about you, Rebecca? Who's who's, who's definitely who are your buddies this week? Definitely Tony and Francis. I don't need to make out. I just want to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that makes you a Masha. Um, for me, okay, well, I definitely don't want to be with any of the Marconis on their, like, bad ghost trip. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Carmel is a total fucking unhinged mess that I, n- no thanks. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Jessica and Ben, I just feel like you would be, they're, they're seeming to be, like, all over each other nowadays. Like, him giving her piggybacks out of the pool. Like, they're definitely just, mm-hmm. like, fucking, so let them be. Um... I mean, Tony and Francis, like, I want to hang out with them. But also, like, I would be the kind of friend who'd be like, oh, I see you guys got, like, a little moment going on here. I'm going to be a pal and walk away and let you make out and roll around in the leaves of the woods together. So um, I guess, like, that leaves me chilling with Lars. Uh, Mm. Yeah, Yeah, but he's with Carmel. I know, but you know what? Maybe we can, like, kind of ditch her, let her have a moment. Mm. Um, cause they weren't like super together the whole time. I don't know. I'll just like, you can't leave your buddy, Carolyn. He's leaving his buddy. His buddy is crazy. She's coming unhinged. Lars and I are just going to go float in a pool together and sing show tunes. Okay. That's what's happening. <laughs> it does feel right for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the, I also really, and this kind of leads into my next question, but I want to know about glory. So the, the actor who plays, who plays, um, glory is Zoe Tarakis. Um, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. And they identify as non-binary, but I think the cus- I think I think the character is supposed to be um, female identifying. Uh-huh. Not really sure. Um, but I want to hang out with Glory because something about her 
they, them, I'm, I'm just going to cover all my bases because I don't know what the character character's deal is. But um, the tranquility that actually emanates from gl- glory is like the only authentic feeling like tranquility at this whole place among the, among the, among the staff. And so I feel like I actually want to spend some time with Glory. Yeah, of all the people that Masha's making out with on her staff, I'm surprised that Glory's mm-hmm. not top of the list. Like, they are very hot mm-hmm. and very zen. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it. Like, Yao and Delilah seem like kind of a mess. Like, that seems like yeah. a messy situation. <laughs> and you've got yes. Glory right there. Justice mm-hmm. for Glory. It makes you wonder if, like, Glory is going to be, like, the hidden key here. Like, that's that Glory holds information or is like something's mm-hmm. going to be revealed with Glory in these last two episodes because they have been kind of lurking in the shadows. You know what I mean? They're there, mm-hmm. but they're not uh, in any way a primary or even secondary character. Like, you know their name and you know that mm-hmm. they work there, but it's not, uh, I don't know. So that kind of, to me, like, I, I've sort of had my eye on Glory as like a suspect. I'm like, what's, what what's mm. your game, friend? <laughs> well, Glory's also the only one on top of their job. Yeah. Like when Francis gets up and walks out, mm-hmm. Glory's like, "Hey, Tony, go go get her. Your buddy's walking away." Whereas I don't even know what Yao and Delilah are doing all day. They're just like, Yao is watching Leon making puke. bubbles or something. Yeah. yeah, but that makes Glory all the more suspicious to me. That mm. like Glory seems to be holding some stuff together more I'm so. telling you, she's an angel. They're all dead. It's ghosts. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Stay tuned for more conspiracy theories from me. They're ghosts doing yoga on, like, a brutalist deck. That deck that they keep oh. showing that is, like, some concrete nightmare. Just, like, I hate it so much. Do they you also like said, it, Rebecca? No, they said no climbing. I'm like, but the concrete roof of doom is okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of the Klein's house in Big Little Lies, like that parking garage, brutalist, mm. contemporary. That's just like the hard edges are not doing it for me here. <laughs> so th- let's talk about the therapy of the week. I've kind of already alluded to the fact that I want to hang out with Glory and those, um, those. The sound bath? Yeah, the singing bowls. <laughs> like I had a yoga instructor at my old climbing gym who would bring a uh, one in every once in a while and I swear I fell asleep every time she busted out busted it out during shavasana like I those even just through the tv that sound makes me feel relaxed so like I'm down for a little bit of that yeah I think I need more tranquil in my life because that stuff always stresses me out instantly <laughs> like oh, really there's something about like something I know is supposed to be meditative where I'm like, well, great. Mm-hmm. Now I'm alone with my thoughts. There's this weird humming now noise in the background that's trying to make me relax. I'm very suspicious of it. Like it, it sends me into an immediate spiral. Now, if I was on <laughs> drugs, it would be great. I'm sure I would love this. And I was thinking to myself, like if you were on like a, a dose of psilocybin listening to that, you'd probably love it. But in my base anxious state, it's a no thank you for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Karen? Okay, so as far as the singing bowl goes, a couple years ago, I was in, doing a show in Sedona, and it was like only a, like six months after I had like broken my ankle and had titanium plates put in and screws, and um, it would get like really, really swollen back then. And somebody in Sedona who I was in the show with was like, "Oh, I know this sound healer here. You should go to them, and it'll help so much." And I was like, "All right." 
and it was free. So I was like, whatever, I'll give it a whirl. And I, it was such a bizarre experience because I could feel the like vibration of the sound in mm-hmm. my titanium, like the way they were doing it. Like I could feel it in my body, in my ankle. And I was like, this is really weird. So, um, but I do like it in a yoga class during Shavasana, but I did not like it mm-hmm. in a sound healing environment. Um, for me, the therapy of the week this week would be uh, listening to Stevie Nicks and running through a field of bubbles. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. That feels I right. want that bubble net thing they had, yeah, which looked like they made out of macrame of or something. It's like amazing. And so now I will, like the next time I'm visiting my nephews, I'm going to just like take him outside and blast Stevie Nicks and like relive mm-hmm. that moment because that felt like really freeing and happy. Rebecca, was there anything you actually would want to participate in or no? Bubbles for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every Everyone can get behind a little bit of bubbles. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to recommendations. Rebecca, do you have anything this week? Um, I know. I think I... I can't keep track of what I endorse on what show, but I believe that Mm -hmm. I endorsed the first season of Dr. Death, the podcast um, Mm -hmm. on here. And since I gave that endorsement, they came out with a third season. And y'all, this is the craziest story I've ever heard in my life. It's about this like sexy Italian Spanish doctor who speaks multiple language and is like making headlines or creating like a synthetic trachea that is like wrapped in the person's own cells and implanted and he's like this hot shot guy and this producer is responsible this like abc nbc producer or no she's meredith vieira's producer is supposed to go on this like long interview of this guy long story short they fall in love and it turns out this guy is just like the most insane con man scammer of all time it's called dr death miracle worker and I literally signed up for Wondery Plus, like, a free trial to get all the episodes at once because I couldn't stop listening to it. I listened to all six episodes in a day. It's a crazy story. I really, if you guys love it, we should maybe talk about it because it's wild start <laughs> to finish. It really blew my mind. And it's like you hear from his, like, scorned lover the whole time. It's just great. I've crazy. been wanting to watch that. And today I have, uh, like, a lovely, like, rainy day rest of the day off pretty much. So It's a podcast, be... just to be clear. This is yes. not a show. Right, right, right. But there is a show based on it, too. Yes, now. correct. The Peacock show. But this is now, the th- it just came out, the third season of Dr. Death, Miracle Worker. Right. Highly uh, recommend. So I want to, like, check that out. Oh, it's Miracle Man, show. excuse me. Yeah. I actually also have a podcast, which is, like, surprising for me because I am not, like, a huge... It's harder for me to just, like, listen to things. I'm not, like, an auditory processor kind of gal. Like, if you gave me a between a choice between a book and like uh you know an audiobook I choose the book every time audiobooks like I can't I it's as if I've never read it but mm-hmm. um this yeah, weekend I'm with you yeah this weekend I took like a little uh little drive out to the rolling hills of Litchfield to go uh, to go to some wineries with a friend of mine and he and I put on this podcast called Smartless it's Jason Bateman with Sean Hayes mm-hmm. and Will Arnett Oh, my Steven is obsessed with that. Oh, it was spectacular. So basically the premise is, is like each episode, one of them surprises the other two with a mystery guest. And then they just have this like totally like improvised conversation about, you know, something that the guest talks about, like expertise, like what it is so wonderful. And also like, I just love the like bromance between all of them. 
Um, but like, you know, like I'm a big Arrested Development fan and the Will Arnett, Jason Bateman. Uh, yeah. Getting the Bluth duo. brothers back and together. And then you throw Sean Hayes into the mix. Like, I mean, these they just are the kind of guys like that you want to go out and have a drink with for sure. And this podcast is like them also bringing a surprise guest along out along for these drinks. So it's it's really fun. So I recommend that. Have either of you seen Thunder Force? No. No. Yeah, it it's like a weird pandemic release and it's um Oh, Melissa McCarthy, right? Yes, it's Melissa McCarthy and what's the uh, is it Octavia Spencer maybe? Let me look it up. Yeah, I think it's Octavia Spencer. It yeah, it's it's Melissa one. McCarthy and Octavia Spencer who apparently are also like Long-time friends, much like Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale. Um, But Jason Bateman is also in it, and he plays, like, a bad guy, but a bad guy who doesn't really want to be... Like, the bad guys in this are mutants, and Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer are these, like... They're superheroes, but they only because Octavia Spencer has come up with, like, a serum to make people superheroes. And... um, (laughs) And so one of the bad guys they have to go up against is Jason Bateman, but all, like his, they're, these people are just mutants and his only mutation is that he just has like crab hands. <laughs> and it's it's really kind of ridiculous, but it really make, it makes me laugh. Like Jason Bateman, like that sort of straight man, like deadpan delivery with these crab hands really just cracked me up. <laughs> that is not my recommendation though. Um, so I finally caved and subscribed to Discovery Plus. Oh, which yeah. is That's like a big step. I very know. Adult. I mean, it's very H. I I've basically only watched HGTV and Magnolia Network stuff so far. I've gotten more Chip and JoJo in my life than anyone <laughs> needs, and like and but there are so many shows on there that like there's one called Van Gogh, and it's just about a guy who converts you know sprinter vans for people. oh wow. Yeah, and then Love there's, it. like, there's one that's, um, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's, like, each episode focuses on a different designer, and they talk about their process and, like, how they approach interior design and stuff. And so there's just a lot of stuff I've never really, I mean, I haven't had cable in years. The only time I get to watch HDTV really is, like, if I'm in a hotel room, so I haven't seen a lot of this stuff. But I just feel like there's an entirely an entirely new realm of, you know, home cool. design type shows out there. And there's also a lot of murder stuff because oh. I think A&E is part of, part of this whole network. Um, wow. So, you know, and it's like $4.99 a month. It's one of the cheaper subscriptions out there. So, you know, if you need more content in your life, it's worth it. Well, after uh, your recommendation last week, I binged mm-hmm. Motel Makeover in one sitting, and now I'm yeah. thirsty for some good interior home design, home improvement content. So you might have I mean, to just endorse me twice a week and recommend me twice. You guys were, or you were texting me for like the rest of the day about yeah. the severe vocal fry and the the wallpaper the wallpaper yeah. made me irrationally angry out of all the wallpapers they tried they chose one that looked like spackle on the wall oh, i was so mad mm-hmm. i like nearly flipped my laptop at that i was like these broads i was so upset there was a group i'm in on facebook who started started asking people like are you watching this and everybody's like i hate them so much and i can't stop watching them. <laughs> 
And one person was mad because they kept calling this one building an A-frame. That's clearly not an A-frame. And like, they just... Yeah, they were infuriating people, but I couldn't look away. Mm -hmm. And like, their 21-year-old assistant is like the most mature person there. She's a 45-year-old woman. I don't care what anybody says to the contrary. (laughs) Also, like the Canadian workers they brought in, they were just like, simply Mm -hmm. couldn't understand. At one point, they like, this guy's like, I've never heard of avocado toast. I've never had a glass of rosé. And these women looked like they were going to die. They were like, what do you mean you've never had rosé? say it was horrible and wonderful and I couldn't look away so that's a co-sign for me this week too mm-hmm. okay so Rebecca I saw that you were asking the fans if they had any sign-off suggestions for us so have they come up with anything um not really the no. only people that responded <laughs> failing us were you yeah. <laughs> and Veronica said we should use scary music which I like don't disagree with but I feel like we need to like before the season start find like a secondary background music Mm. that fits the scene and put it underneath but we're too far gone for that so the polls remain open if you have any suggestions for how we should end this podcast please let us know dm us comment call us connect with us on linkedin like whatever you have to do to communicate with us (laughs) we need a sign off please don't connect with us on linkedin whatever you do like uh all right, so I think our sign-off this week should just be like, fuck this. and like, Or, <laughs> he's, oh, God, he's going in. for listening to Big Little Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming one of our valued podcast supporters at www.thebiglittlepodcast.com or just leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on social media at Big Little Podcast for exclusive content in between new episodes.